0: Welcome to this week's episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together, the podcast for entrepreneurs interested in fast growth and funding, powered by EHE Capital. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the EHE podcast. This week, I'm joined by a friend and a colleague, Andrew Akel from Libre Consultancy. We're going to be talking about people strategy today. So we've done a lot of talking around how to build a successful team for fast growth and funding. But what we haven't done is kind of dig into the fundamentals of people strategy, what makes a good people strategy and where do you start? So I'm excited to talk about that. And hi, Andrew, thank you for joining us.
1: Hello, Nairi. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm very well, very well, thank you. I've just returned from a, a shore motorhome trip. You know how much I love my, uh, yeah, yeah. my travels around the UK. And yeah, just come back from South Yorkshire, actually, which is a, a place that we don't visit very often, but I actually had a lovely break and a few water sports, kayaking on the, on the local lake there. So yeah, back fully refreshed.
0: Oh, amazing. Amazing. And we've been trying to get this in for a... A couple of weeks now, I think, haven't we? So I'm glad to get it in now. And I think it's really relevant going into September because a lot of people will be thinking about kind of their towards their end of year plans and and what they need to do and a lot of things get put on the back burner over summer don't they recruitment and people strategies being one of them so i said earlier we're going to talk about people strategy it's not going to be me at all is it (laughs) it's going to be it's going to be you talking about people strategy and me me asking some some questions but i suppose first of all andrew if you maybe could just give us a little bit of background about your experience and, and particularly around developing effective people strategies
1: Absolutely. So keeping it brief, I, I had a career, I guess, so far at two bars. I've worked in financial services for half of it. I'll be giving away my age by saying around mm-hmm. 15, 16 years. And through that period of time, I worked in building and leading teams, but also worked in HR and was, was training back in the day to look at how particularly the building society industry was was shaping up, looking after its people during the real changes that went on in the 80s and 90s around things when people will remember interest rates were incredibly high. A lot of organizations were demutualizing, becoming PLCs. And it left people who worked for those organizations really quite uncertain about their futures. So I got involved in people strategies back probably then and realized how important it was that you really did look after your people through really significant periods of change. The second half I spent in one of the big four accounting firms in the consultancy division where I spent a lot of time, probably two thirds of my time client side, helping to effectively recover and put back on track major. Programs and projects that, that our clients were leading and delivering, which were going off the rails. And what I learned as I landed and was often parachuted in to help me cover these programs, a lot of them technology based programs have changed was that actually at the heart of some of their issues was that they weren't taking their people with them and that they hadn't actually thought about how they needed to evolve their people strategies to ensure that the change that they implemented sometimes quite suddenly was actually going to be sustainable and that their people were going to be able to embrace it, understand it, and effectively enable it to be successful. And then the last two or so years of being at that organization, I took on the role of head of performance development for the UK practice, so that was looking after the growth and development of around seventeen thousand people. It Included the partnership, the directors, the, the management layers of management, right through to the graduates. So, and that was all about how do you attract and retain you know, the talent that you need to grow your business at the pace you want to grow it. So I guess over that number of years, I've learned many, many different ways in which you can ensure that your people strategy is not separate from, but is actually integral to your business strategy.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think a lot of people focus on the recruitment, what who they need to recruit. But like you say, that's maybe the tip of the iceberg of a, of a people strategy. So in terms of people strategy itself, when we talk about that, have you got some examples of the fundamentals of, of what should actually be in there?
1: Absolutely. So there are four, if you like, cornerstones to the way in which a people strategy can be put together and made to be sustainable. And I think you start with really being able to articulate the purpose of your business to your people and enable your people to see alignment between what they want to get out of their careers and what you are offering as a business in terms of their career progression, but also what your business plans are and what your strategy is and what your ambition is. And it's not just the what, it's the why. So connecting your people to your business strategy is the first part of your people strategy. What is our purpose? And why are we doing what we're doing? What you're finding these days, particularly after the pandemic, is that people are questioning more and more what they're spending their time doing, whether that be at work or whether that be outside of work. So they're much keener now on understanding what they're a part of and how they fit into that and whether or not that has more meaning to their everyday work life. So perhaps they used to think about pre-pandemic where it was about going out and, and having a job. So I think connecting Your people to your purpose is the first part of the strategy. And that's really important these days for attracting talent. If I think then through to, if you're attracting the right talent, then how do you ensure that your people who you attract remain, if you like, engaged and energized and inspired by what it is that you're doing? And the the next element or, or pillar, if you like, of your people strategy has to come down to engagement. And that really has to be at the heart of how you grow and nurture your people once they land. So this is about making sure that you've got the right people in place to grow and nurture that talent. And you've got the right mechanisms in place for setting out how you will get the best out of those people. So how do you maximize that potential? And I think this is something that organizations are wrestling with at the moment with, again, the post-pandemic situation with hybrid working is, I read early yesterday, an article that was saying employers are really unsure as to whether or not people are are as productive at home as they are at work. And you have people, colleagues saying, I think I'm more productive at home, actually, because I don't have to travel and X, Y, and Z. And I'm thinking to myself, not quite sure organizations are measuring the right things yet. I think they're still perhaps in their old ways of how many hours are you working during the day? What widgets are you producing? And actually I would start to challenge so that part of the people's strategy where you engage people and actually grow and nurture them is what value are they contributing to your organization? What value do you want them to be contributing? And what value are they contributing? And does it matter when and where they do that? So I think that the way in which we measure performance and value has got to be absolutely at the center of your people's strategy. And that for me is something that I think organizations wrestle with constantly. We did when I was at the consultancy and we were really looking at how do you measure value? And what we actually found was Yeah, it's what you do, but it's how you do it as well. So it's not just the outcomes in terms of sales or revenues or products and services, but actually the way you behave, the way you act. Are you a role model? Are you doing the right things? You know, the ethical ways in which you operate. So on the back of attracting the right talent, actually growing, nurturing and getting, you know, the maximum potential out of your people has got to be, I would say, that that second cornerstone. I think thirdly, three out of four here, so thirdly, I think what's incredibly important is that you connect with your people regularly and consistently to understand how they're feeling. So I think it's part of the engagement piece, but it's actually listening to them and ensuring that they have ways in which they can speak up and speak to the business and be heard. Um, and influence what's going on. And one of the, uh, okay, one of my most enjoyable periods of when I was head of performance development was that I led the 360 program for our leaders. And it was wonderful to see how I think leaders welcomed and invited feedback The colleagues were quite prepared to give it. And what that meant was that we had an open and honest and reciprocated culture growing within the firm that meant that the firm headed And we're steered in a direction that everyone felt was right. So I think ensuring that you've got great open and safe environments for your people to be themselves and be able to have a view is as important as valuing them for what they do. And I think that that then builds trust. It builds loyalty. It makes people want to work with you now and in the future. They become ambassadors of your firm and you will then start the cycle then of attracting New talent. The fourth pillar, if you like, is around how you look after your people. So, their health, whether that be mental or physical, it comes back to the environments within which they can operate and thrive and making their health and their well being important. And that doesn't just mean reacting to media coverage of headlines about whether or not organizations are doing it or not. It's about leadership having a heart and about saying, I want to look after my people because I care about them and it's the right thing to do. And I'm going to create this as one of the business priorities in my firm every year to ensure that it's sustainable. And we're going to be measured against it. And that will absolutely make your environment and your workplaces more inclusive more diverse. And, and I think that you will then find that your people will thrive because they will feel safe and looked after and nurtured. So, so in lots of respects, those four areas are quite soft compared to what you would look at as a business strategy, which would be quite commercial and quite, quite hard metrics, I guess. I think by weaving your people strategy into that, you ensure that there is isn't a detachment and a potential conflict and just a, a final anecdote is that I, I was in a client once where their business strategy had been set and HR were effectively told to go away and work out how they could create a people strategy that would fit it. And actually the horse had bolted because it was really, really difficult to retrofit an effective people strategy into a set of business priorities that had already been set because they hadn't taken the people with them. So. A really, really important piece of advice is: don't sit down in separate rooms to create your business strategy and your people strategy. Sit in the same room and actually build them together, and you'll find that they're far more sustainable.
0: Real, thank you, Andrew. You make it sound really simple, but actually, one <laughs> of the things—well, one of the things you just said—is it's quite soft, but actually, not everyone can do it, can they? You know, it's not. For yeah. some people, it's easier to write a business strategy than it is a people strategy. So it's about yeah. empowering the right teams to do that. I think the other thing that hit home for me when you were talking was around the role of listening and then acting so that these aren't vanity exercises, I suppose. Yeah. I think we've probably all been involved in Sessions where businesses are looking to change culture and they think, oh, stick a load of people in a room with some post-it notes and a whiteboard, and then we can say we've listened to them. But if you don't act on that and you haven't got the culture where people can share honestly, it's irrelevant. And I think the third thing is obviously we've talked a lot on this podcast about investment and you know large sums of money and big salaries, etc. But actually, a lot of what you've just talked about there is you know complicated to an extent, but it's not actually expensive to implement, is it? In terms of doing the right thing, listening to your people, creating the right culture, creating the right working environment, aligning with your purpose, you know, aligning it with your business strategy, et cetera. uh, It's not not
1: expensive, but but some people would think that it was because what you do need to invest is time.
0: Time, yeah.
1: You need to, and there's an awful lot in the press about human leadership. And I'm a big advocate of human leadership, but in the sense that the people that you appoint to lead your businesses understand the qualities that are needed to grow people and therefore be able to put in a sustainable people strategy. So the three things that I usually say is authenticity, empathy, and adaptability. And a lot of people I've seen in my 30 odd years of corporate life is that a lot of people are promoted and progressed into positions of leadership because of their knowledge and their experience and their specialisms, and actually not because They're great people developers Mm. and great people leaders. One of the things we put in place when I was at the accountancy firm was that we absolutely hard-coded into our recruitment strategy and our promotion strategy that people would be assessed on their ability to, and their appetite and their desire to build environments that nurtured and grew people to be the best talent they could be. Not to, as a mirror image of themselves, which is a, a dreadful trap to fall into, but actually to see the potential of an individual and grow that. And and actually what you'd find is some very, very clever people were not promoted or recruited. And that may be a bit controversial, but actually what it depends on the sort of culture you want in your business.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. And obviously a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are looking to embark on a period of fast growth and with fast growth it involves usually quite a lot of rapid change and, and recruitment and culture, etc. So what are the, some of the common mistakes or things to avoid or things that they must implement for those entrepreneurs that think probably do need to start thinking more seriously about a people strategy now?
1: If I was to be hugely simplistic, which I think sometimes is the mm-hmm. best thing, it is don't forget the relationship. Whoever you bring in and however rapidly you bring people in, are you able to maintain healthy relationships throughout your business that are going to enable those pillars that I described earlier to stand up and be scrutinized? Is that possible? When you're going from from an organization of 20 people to 150 people in a very short space of time, are you putting the building blocks in place to ensure that those people go along that journey with you. And it's so important because that is human leadership. You're not just concentrating on the balance sheet. You're not just concentrating on those growth targets. You're actually saying part of the reason that we're going to get there is that we are bringing these people in to help us all be a success. But it's not just about the numbers. It's about ensuring that we're creating a sustainable future. And like any relationship, Nairi. If you don't invest in it or it's one sided or it's toxic or it's seen to be controlling, it's not going to last or it's going to last under duress. And we took, we're hearing about the quiet quitters, you know, after the great resignation, you know, why are people disappearing silently? People disappear from relationships outside of work silently all the time because they're fed up with the way they're being treated. So that's not what you're wanting your business. So if you're going to have rapid growth, you've got to be able to put in the right people and the right mechanisms and relationships strategies for taking people with them and wanting them to be, you know, for them to want to be with you through that rapid period of growth.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. And then finally, so those entrepreneurs that are about to embark on, on this, obviously you've talked about some of the things that they need to do. Are there any sort of common mistakes where where people often get it wrong or looking at the flip side of things where there's always quite a lot of stuff on LinkedIn that I always wonder if they're sort of vanity posts about you know Friday afternoon off or whatever. But if you've got the most toxic culture ever, you can give every Monday and Friday afternoon off, but it's irrelevant, isn't it? I just wonder what you're experience was on the on the flip I, side, I suppose.
1: I, I think, and again, this comes back to quite a humanistic viewpoint, but this is what I absolutely feel from the heart is that I think the common mistakes are appointing the wrong people to lead your people. And what I mean by that is scrutinize really, really closely the people that you bring in that are going to be the influencers, that are going to be the people, the role models, the people that, that others are going to look up to and follow and perhaps think that the way they, they operate needs to be like those leaders. Often you will find that as people progress through a firm, they will look around them and see how do people behave? How do they act in order to be able to get on. And that's why toxic cultures are bred because people are feel that they need to act a certain way to get where they want to be. And what they will do in those situations is focus on the wrong agendas and the wrong motivations to succeed. So I think one of the common mistakes is you bring people in because they have a glossy CV that says how much money that they've made for this particular business or that particular business or how they've rapidly grown a business. I would say look beyond that, yeah, look beyond that, and find out whether they've got a heart as well as you know a head. And I think that you'll find yeah. that you will make less mistakes.
0: You just reminded me of the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz then. <laughs> the heart thing. So, no, that's really re- that's really interesting. Thank you. I just wondered, Andrew, in your experience of working with entrepreneurs and fast growth entrepreneurs, do you have any advice or or things that you would always recommend, either related to people's strategy or or wider experience than that?
1: I mean, for somebody who's set up my own business <laughs> as well, albeit you know a, a private practice, I think that. Comes back to what is your purpose? What are you growing this business for? Is this a reflection of you? Are you wanting that business to be, you know, your business in five years' time, ten years' time? Are you wanting it to be something that you move on and sell on? And and you know, what is your purpose around your business? And in order to be able to make sure that you achieve that, take some time to think about your people strategy and how you're going to develop that. And because most organizations that start up and entrepreneurs who start up need people to make it happen. You know, they need whether even if it's tech companies, they need people to design the tech, to build the tech, and to deliver the tech. So think about how you're going to take those people on that journey with you. And you know, as I said before, use your head and your heart when you start to make those decisions about shaping your ambitions over the next three to five years to make your business what you want it to be.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was really interesting. So for anybody that would like to find out more or like to talk to you about how to implement a people strategy, what's the best way of getting in touch with you?
1: So LinkedIn, I think most people are all LinkedIn. So do connect with me on there. You'll find me very easily if you pop in my surname, Andrew Akal, A-K-A-L. There's nobody else on there. You can also check out my website, which is LibreAidConsultancy.life or email me at Life.
0: Brilliant. Thanks so much, Andrew. Obviously, don't forget, we have got loads of free resources in the EHE community as well, but do get in touch with Andrew if you would like any more information or if you'd like to share your experience of people, strategies, things you've done well, or things that maybe not gone so well, then obviously we would we would love to hear them too. Thank you, Andrew. That was really interesting. Thank you so much. You're
1: very welcome. Thanks for Take having me. Take care.
0: You. Bye-bye. I know. Thank you for listening to this episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together. Visit the EHE Capital website, ehe.capital, for further insights and to join the EHE community.